is it? Sunday morning, one of our U-2s took these pictures. The Soviets are putting ballistic missiles into Cuba. One gentlemen, let's have it. In the southeast, as far north as Washington, D.C., are in range of these weapons, and in the event of a launch, would have only five minutes of warning. In those five minutes, they could kill 80 million Americans. We have to get those missiles out. Soviet understands only one language, action. Sir, I think we have to issue pre-invasion orders. I got a bad feeling about what's going on in there. We've got a bunch of smart guys. We lock them in a room and we come up with some solution. Strikes is a minimum response the Joint Chiefs will accept. No, no, no! There is more than one option here. America is in danger from nuclear war. This is a setup. They want a war, Jack. They're arranging things to get one. You're in a pretty bad fix, Mr. President. Or maybe you haven't noticed you're in it with me. Three, two. Good evening, my fellow citizens. A lot of things are going wrong today. More things go wrong, people will become more nervous, and it will be very hard to avoid going to war. Sometimes there is only one right choice, and you thank God when it's so clear. Stop that firing! Nobody ever, ever gets between us. I'm prepared to wait for my answer until hell freezes over. I am the Commander-in-Chief of the United States, and I say, when we go to war... Hello and welcome to the pod, and it's Film Club time and 13 Days, directed by Roger Donaldson, starring Kevin Costner, Bruce Greenwood and Stephen Culp. As you may have detected from the intro there, it's a movie based on the Cuban Missile Crisis, and this is part of a Jack Kennedy double bill on the pod as we commemorate the 60th anniversary of his assassination on the 22nd of November, 1963. Coming up next week will be the big one, JFK, directed by Oliver Stone, also starring Kevin Costner. The Cuban Missile Crisis was probably the closest we came to World War III when the Soviets under Nikita Khrushchev moved ballistic missiles into Cuba, which is just 90 miles from the US coast. Under the Kennedy administration, which included his brother Bobby, they negotiated with the Soviets a compromise, thereby averting the threat of war. The movie is a fantastic depiction of those events and makes for a great Kennedy double bill with next week's film. Coming up on the pod, we've got a panel discussion on Books of the Year, pods on Charles I, female spies, World War II Italy, and much, much more. So please do share with the like-minded, rate and review. Until then, I'm going to hand you over to the film club. Tim Hewitt, welcome back to the film club. Hi, thanks for having me again. And today's film is 13 days so listeners this is a we're doing a jfk double bill this year this week is actually the well this month this year this month is the 60th anniversary of the killing of john f kennedy in dallas texas and in honor of the president we are going to be doing a double bill film club so first up is 13 days directed by Roger Donaldson, which is all about the Cuban Missile Crisis, which took place a year before he was assassinated. And then next week, we have JFK, Oliver Stone's masterpiece. And so we'll start with 13 Days. So, Tim, 13 Days. Yeah. Roger Donaldson. So it's the same director as who directed The Bounty. Yeah, another historical brilliant film obviously that we did but um he's actually a really interesting director not often mentioned in the top tiers of film directors because he, he has done quite varied films one film on his filmography that people would find quite surprising with things like the bounty 13 days the world's fastest indian great anthony hopkins film and you know, quite serious subject matters. Then he come along and do, and he does things like Species and Cocktail with Tom Cruise. Did he make Um, Cocktail? Yeah. Oh, Um, that's great. Yeah. Uh, Varied, varied, varied director. Species, not not so sure about. I mean, it's a guilty pleasure in a way if you just want something on on a, I don't know, Saturday afternoon where you don't have to really concentrate. But 13 Days, I think, is... Oof, this is a this is a difficult thing to judge, but I think it's probably his 
strongest film. So it, you prefer this to The Bounty then? Uh, I it's I, I it's not so much that I prefer it. It's all it all depends. Like when someone asks, "What's your favorite film?" I mean, it's impossible to, to say. You know, whether it's in you enjoy it more, or whether you feel it's more important, or whether you feel that just as a technical piece, it's it's superior. Uh, difficult to say, but I think I don't know strongest film. I would say probably in terms of an all round piece of art. I'm not sure, but it's it's so gripping. It's a little bit like what we're going to be discussing next, in the sense that it shouldn't be gripping. It should be a little bit boring. Yeah, because it, it's men, men in in men in a room. conference rooms. <laughs> yeah, yeah, talking. Talking, but the stakes are so high. I mean, is there has there been any anything in modern history more threatening and 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 more potentially horrific? Um, I think not. Not that had so much attention. There was a nuclear missile that it was nearly a nuclear attack in 1983, but that was down to error rather than right. Uh, I mean, you, you could argue, like Nolan, Christopher Nolan argues that that the that the pressing of the button in the Trinity test was probably the most dramatic moment in history, uh, in human history, because I suspect of the possible repercussions. I'm not sure I agree with him there. I could, uh, I could uh, argue the Battle of Marathon, maybe. Uh, <laughs> but, sure. but I think that that it, that's Nolan trying to flog his film, isn't it? His film. But um, I mean, it's understandable. But this, this, I suppose, the Cuban Missile Crisis was, you know, the imminent threat. Is, has any other point in history has America got to DEFCON three before? DEFCON three, yeah. That's not that bad, is it? Uh, it's, it's pretty bad, I think. What you mean, um, DEFCON? DEFCON one? No, no, DEFCON one is is war. Is new war has started or is about to? Literally about to. And, and DEFCON two is is. Is almost that that um, scenario. I think DefCon Three is pretty pretty bad, but it's obviously not as bad as Two and One. It's but, it's... but this is this is American uh, uh, levels. Uh, we have slightly different levels here. I think we just have like severe. And... But I think they get to DefCon Two, don't they? Uh, Do I don't. I don't think officially. I, there's this. I think uh, having watched the film a few times, but I watched it again last night. He does say that. Yeah, no, they do um, go against to DEFCON. His orders, yeah, get, but against Kennedy's orders. Yes. Um, it was raised to two, um, and he has a bit of a hissy fit about that, understandably. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, some of that, we can get on to that when mm. we talk about sort of... But it, uh, the point is that the, the it's a film with, you know, gravely high stakes. Yes. Um, and, and it's done very, very well indeed. I mean, it's very suspenseful. Even men talking in a room. You know, it's like a, it's 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 quite often like a chess game, in fact, because uh, or a blind chess game where the Americans are constantly trying to guess uh, the Russians next move or mm. what they would do if um, with all their, I think, three different scenarios that they propose, you know, and it's really I mean, it does keep you on the edge of your seat. Um, so I think it is a great film. Yeah, and great performances. So Bruce Greenwood plays John F. Mm -hmm. Kennedy. Stephen Culp plays Robert Remarkable F. Kennedy. Remarkable performance. Yes. Stephen Culp. And then, of course, Kevin Costner, who's the main star of the show, plays the okay. special assistant to the president, Kenneth O'Donnell. Yes. And he is a producer, I believe, as well. Yeah, he, he gets... It, it, O'Donnell's part of the sort of Boston Mafia. Um, <laughs> yes. Or Camelot, or what they... What, I guess what they called it, mm. um, but yeah, yeah, childhood yeah. friend of of Robert Kennedy, and through him, I think became friends with Jack Kennedy as well. And Costner is clearly a, you know, he he's very well known for playing Jim Garrison in JFK, which yeah. we're doing next. But is it does this mean? I always assume this. Therefore, because he had done JFK, one assumes that Costner is a huge. JFK fan. Um, good question. I don't actually know. Um, obviously, JFK wasn't his film. It was Oliver Stone's baby um, obsession. 
I, I would go so far as to say. And he cast, I think uh, others were up. I think Harrison Ford was up for, for JFK, I, I believe. Probably others. I mean, there's always a list of people, I suppose, in these things. But maybe through that, you know, Costner uh, became fascinated with the whole notion and jumped at the chance of doing something like this, which um, obviously deals with it head on. I mean, the, the Kennedys head on as opposed to uh, an investigation afterwards. But he he's I mean, he's I think he's really good. Kevin Costner. I mean, yeah. I uh, he's just a really good. He's he's a very good actor, but he is a really good movie star. Yeah, he's a movie star. Um, he's so watchable. And it is, I just, you know, I find it very, very enjoyable when he gets angry, <laughs> which he doesn't often in his films, uh, or at least, you know, pr- really dramatically angry. And he, he when he loses it, it yeah, I think he's really, he's quite electrifying to watch. Well, it, mm. it, it cost, it cost $80 million to make. And this was in 2000. So it's 80- a great, big cast, very big cast. Yeah, because I don't understand where the $80 million went um, when you look at the film, Kevin Costner, <laughs> <laughs> he probably it made sixty six million, so it lost. Mm. It lost. Yeah. It. it didn't make any money. I mean, it's not a box office type film, really, is it? I mean, it's uh, uh, albeit you know having a, a star like him, but we do know that of, that films of this ilk can make money. Oppenheimer is a recent example, but that may be due to post COVID. Want to go back to the cinema? Want to go back to the cinema? So I don't know, but you know, period recreation. Like, yeah, I don't know if the production design actually would cost that much um, in this film because it's it's not like a Victorian era recreation style. It's but I'm assuming a, a lot on the actors' fees. Kip Costner in particular, director, probably got quite a bit. And it was very well, very well reviewed. I mean, it's um, a solid. It's really good. It's a really good film. You can't really, unless, it, unless it's not your type of thing, to watch a bunch of male politicians fighting over each other and and over a over what could be considered as I don't know. I I can I always think of these things in the modern world. A bunch of kids just fighting about. Now I want to move my ship here. I want to move my ship here. And here, look, we can put our missiles here. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> well, there, there's. I mean, I do recommend reading Abyss, which is a book by Max Hastings on the Cuban Missile Crisis. Came out, mm-hmm. I think, um, is it last year? I think, and it's really, really good. But it's it does show how all these uh, politicians, all these male, are they're kind of well, Khrushchev sort of starts all this by moving the missiles in as a kind of he he assumed that Kennedy was weak because he was young and he was liberal and mm. so Khrushchev saw that as a weakness and which of course his even Kennedy's some of Kennedy's staff saw him like that and some, but both Kennedys uh possibly I mean Robert F Kennedy actually at this time was known as as he was the tough one he was really he'd gone after the mafia and Jimmy Hoffa mm. oh yeah um, he was known as as being a lot more sort of tough than than Kennedy, mm. and so I, I think I think that whole idea around Camelot as well. Obviously, Jackie Kennedy, sort of very glamorous woman. It did give off the the vibe that maybe they were a bit lightweight, however unfairly that is. And yeah. so Khrushchev Khrushchev did try and um, exploit that. But obviously, it blew up in his face because yeah, and and it's but I, that that's touched. I mean, quite a few of his his you know admirals and the and the air force, the commander in in the royal royal air force in the American air force, kind of comment on the Kennedy's indecision. Yeah, so that's that, see, that's that or... that's one of the interesting, rather uh, I guess it's controversial, and there's no doubt about it mm. that the um, that the chiefs of staff of the US military were keen on a more robust response. And Curtis LeMay, who was the head of the US Air Force, who's played by Kevin Conway brilliantly. And yes. if he looks a little bit like LeMay. LeMay was this, he had a brilliant World War II. He was a very successful uh, Air Force general during the Second World War. 
but he he was he was hugely aggressive when it came to Cuba and Russia and was very keen on invasion and all that kind of stuff. Mm. So the film does get that right. Yeah. And 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 you know, he's he's the guy who who when the pilot is they're taking photographs over Cuba and the pilot's shot at, you know, and 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 O'Donnell says, Don't get shot at to him over the phone because our response is gonna have to be quite dire. And then as soon as he's back, the pilot's back <laughs> and he's in the, he goes into that room essentially for an, a debriefing, I suppose. LeMay says, you know, did they so much as fire a BB gun at you? Desperate. Obviously, they're desperate for him to say, yes, they shot at, they shot at us so they could just steam in. You know, very, very, it's, it's interesting that these, these, these commanders, these, the chief of staff, all of these people are, you can see it immediately that they and and in fact o'donnell says this to kennedy behind closed doors he says they are desperate for a war they want as much conflict yeah Uh, there's a bit of because there's a bit of cuba as well is this hugely emotional subject for particularly during that time because fidel castro had overthrown hmm. the u.s backed batista regime which I think was a pretty distasteful regime itself. Obviously, mm-hmm. you know, we know all about the mafia links, film The Godfather, there's a lot of that set in Cuba. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's obviously, which which bleeds into Kennedy's, the rest of Kennedy's administration, you know, up until pretty much yeah. his, well, in fact, that's Yeah, well, you the get the bare pigs. Theories that, bare pigs. Um, one of the reasons why, well, one of the theories is still, you know, the backs, the assassination, depending on which road you want to go down, yeah, so the the Castro thing is is as Donald Sutherland says in JFK. Then we get into the Cuban thing. Not so good. <laughs> That's to come. So it's you know Kennedy was in a very difficult position. I mean, the guy says Lemay says you're in a bit of a fix, Mr. President. Yeah, well, we we, we I wanted to talk about that particular scene because mm-hmm. that is very accurate. There is a fa- it is famously we can talk about it now I suppose but yeah. yes when LeMay goes into his, where he's in the Oval Office and he says to Kennedy as you say you're you're in a bit of a fix Mr President that actually happened and it's an extraordinary way that the way a chief of staff of the US Air Force would speak to their commander yeah. like that it's, it's, it's and he ter- what was Kennedy says what did you say I think it, yes. and he says you're in a bit of a fix and he goes well if you haven't noticed you're in it with me yeah. That's um, very good. That's that's definitely up there with one of my favourite scenes in there. Yeah. Um, yeah. So so with the Bay of Pigs disaster, which was when the Cuban exiles, backed by the CIA, were delivered. They, they had an amphibious landing at the Bay of Pigs in Cuba, and they didn't have any kind of air support, and it was a complete slaughter. And that meant that because Kennedy hadn't provided that air support, it meant that a lot of, there were a lot of, I guess, to quote Donald Sutherland in JFK, a lot of pissed <laughs> off people. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, there were, there were, he had alienated, I think, portions of the Central Intelligence Agency and the um and and certain elements of the military I think but mm. it's interesting because in in this film you have the head of the CIA who mm. is played by Peter White plays John McCone now John McCone mm. was very interesting because he was he was actually a very key part in identifying the fact that it's all laid out very well in Max Hastings's book, but John McCone is is a key part in identifying the missiles being moved into Cuba. And he had been, he, he actually, the Kennedys were a little bit slow on picking up on, on what had happened, was going on in Cuba. And it was John McCone, the head of the CIA, who had, who was basically, he, he kind of corralled the, the cabinet or the senior members of the US government into understanding of the threat that the missiles posed and the fact that they were in. So so mm. that that's not really covered in the film, but it's, it's, no. it's an interesting. In fact, factor. it's quite a fleeting character, I think, in the film, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it, yes, exactly. I mean, we'll, we'll get on to inaccuracies and the huge mm. role that uh, Kenneth O'Donnell, played by Kevin Costner, plays in the film completely um, dwarfs the head of the CIA's role in the film, which 
yeah well they i think they you know it, they, you wanted they wanted to get onto a, a obviously get into a very personal relationship with the kennedys as well so having that that closeness which you get from the very beginning when yeah. he yeah he, when he, he he speaks to jackie are you trying to go around me you know he's basically <laughs> you know he's the guy you go to if you want anything to do even his wife even kennedy's wife is like okay very, very quick at uh, establishing a personal relationship as soon as he sits down in the Oval Office and starts eating uh, John F. Kennedy's crumpet. Uh, childhood friends established very, very quickly. So, you know, they probably went, you know, that's the route we're going to take in this film. We're not going to do... Otherwise, it's going to be slightly, I would say, a distance from the personal aspects of the Kennedys. And I get it they're... as a plot device. It's very important mm. in the film. But in reality, mm. historically, O'Donnell... Yeah was not no. telling <laughs> telling the chiefs of staff and the president what should happen and what might yeah. happen. And what... There's a great yeah. there's a great moment actually in that scene that you like when the RAF commander uh, McCain the US Air Force commander. Yes. Did I say royal again? Yes. What's wrong with me? It's in America. Okay, so the US <laughs> yes. If it was an RAF man, he would have yeah. a, a Teddy sort of Thomas moustache, wouldn't he? And and he'd have a yeah, cravat. that's true. Actually, have a cravat. Um, but they still wear blue, which is really confusing. The yeah, in that scene where where he's he's talking to Kennedy and he's sort of very slowly approach stepping towards him, and O'Donnell Costner steps in between them and gives him a that's far enough. <laughs> it's like you know Kennedy's protective brother almost except the other brothers in the room. It's don't get too close <laughs> because I'm I'm the shield. Yeah. But it's a nice move. I like it. I think it's really cool. And I think Costner is very, very, very cool. I don't know. Does he nail the accent? I'm not an expert in Boston accents. Uh, I'm, I'm a, I, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, I think I think the brothers, I just feel you can tell that they're, it's, I mean, uh, Greenwood must have studied Kennedy. Well, actually, both of them probably studied both Kennedys. But, you know, that I would say, having watched a lot of actual real Kennedy footage, they nail it. Well, there's a moment, I think, a few times, I think, he slightly grimaces when sitting down or getting up and sitting down. And I don't know if you detected that. Because he's because Kennedy's, no, he wasn't well. He had terrible back problems. Yeah. I mean, awful. He was on... Uh, I don't know. I'm sorry, I don't know the the drug, but I mean it was all terrible at that time. Yeah, yeah, and he does he does a, a lot of you know he sort of interrupts himself because he's obviously in pain. But they don't they don't mention it explicitly, which I liked. No. It was really good. Yeah, yeah, it was just subtle, which is really good because in fact, you know, it was probably like that. He probably and... wasn't someone who would just constantly whinge about. <laughs> pains in his back the costner i think yeah i think costner does really well with the accent the good thing that they do about this film which i think um jfk mm -hmm. i think fails in is they keep the family scenes to a minimum yes a bare I, minimum yeah except you and i adore the the opening scene with costner at the breakfast table when he's about to sign his his son's is it an absentee slip Yes. That, this is this isn't a this is your report card. Yeah, it's it's nice because that essentially also because he's about to leave for work and then and he kisses his wife goodbye and then he looks at his son and goes, "You, I'm going to talk to you later." And it, but that you know is a I would say a device of establishing this is okay. This guy is in control. You don't cross him. You don't try to pull the wool over his eyes. Just the man to advise President Kennedy in a situation like. The Cuban Missile Crisis. Also, a little bit of a shout out to Dylan Baker, who's always good. Dylan Baker plays... Uh, McNamara. Yeah. Yeah. Um, He's McNamara. super good in this. Now, Dylan Baker, I, I I remember him from a film called Happiness. Yeah, really the, not, a, not a very happy film. Plays a paedophile in that. Yeah. Um, excellent, excellent supporting character actor who's really good in everything. Um, and people, I think, viewers would go, oh, yeah, when they see his face, they'll go, oh, yeah, I, I, I've seen him in stuff. He, he's in one of the my favourite scenes in this film when they start firing flares at the Russian ships 
and McNamara has a real go at the Admiral. It's super, super good performance. Yeah, it's it, you mentioned the naval side of things. There's a funny episode in that actually happened that they didn't show in the film. And if you saw it, you'd think it was so far-fetched it couldn't possibly have happened. Maybe that's why they cut it out. But of course it happened, which was... And this is in Lawrence Friedman's book called Command. He deals with the Cuban Missile Crisis. And he's actually... Lawrence Friedman is a very distinguished historian, sat on the Chilcot Inquiry into the Iraq War. He's a hugely respected figure in the history world. He's a little bit more relaxed over the over the Kennedy and Chiefs of Staff sort of buttressing up together he he takes a more sort of sanguine view that this is whilst there were disagreements ultimately the right thing happened in the end so we should all sort of be uh, be less not not worry so much whereas max hastings is a lot tougher on the uh, chiefs of staff uh, just worth thinking about but uh yes the naval the naval episode where a russian submarine was under the impression that it was about to be attacked by U.S. Navy ships, and they were all um, on edge, as we've you know been saying earlier. They, we were close to war. War may well have meant nuclear weapons. So the stakes, as you said earlier, couldn't be higher. Uh, a Russian submarine, Soviet submarine, assumed or was thinking that the U.S. Navy were about to open fire, so were refusing to um, to surface, and I think were. Um, looking to um, maybe even open fire. And so a quick thinking US Navy captain of a destroyer, he had his the, the ships banned, put them out on deck and made them play jazz music. And <laughs> the, the, the Soviet submarine commander saw that and then realized, okay, the, the, you know, we're not, uh, we're not on the brink of war. That would have been great to put in the film. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, it's not the one where Kennedy says, bring that submarine to the surface. To the to the naval captain, I don't know if it's that exact moment. It may well mm. have been. It may well have been. It may well have been. But it's, I mean, it's a whole... funny little episode that um... yeah, that whole <laughs> sequence in the in thirteen days is really suspenseful. Cutting back and forth from the sea to you know a room full of men. I mean, scenes like that. That's what makes the film. I think uh, really an edge of the seat type film. But I think that. Uh, that would have been really quite a nice touch to put that in, but it was probably like deemed not plot worthy enough. Yeah, yeah. And then the the other thing I wanted to just briefly mention is that, which I don't think the film gets quite right, is the actor who plays General Maxwell Taylor, who was chairman of the Joint Chiefs to start mm-hmm. the head, the, the head of the mili- U.S. military, is played by Bill Smitrovich. And Maxwell Taylor had a was a commander of the 101st Airborne during operation market garden he was mm-hmm. uh, also had a very successful second world war i think him and him and kennedy actually did get on quite well which isn't quite re- re- reflected in the film uh, and then one other thing that we should mention is and i don't know if this is going to get onto your one of your favorite scenes but the actor who plays the pilot where who he calls for the 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 pilot yes. who is the commander of the photographic mission mm-hmm. The actor who plays him is called Christopher Lawford. He is the son of Peter Lawford. And his mother was Patricia Kennedy Lawford. So that was the sister of of JFK and RFK. So that actor, his uncle, was John. That's very cool. Yeah. I did not know that. He is in Roger Donaldson's The World's Fastest Indian. A good actor, really good actor. Perfectly cast in this. He's absolutely an air force pilot <laughs> and and very a very cool one when he gets out and he's like damn sparrows sparrows 30 millimeter sparrows <laughs> yeah uh or 40 mi- uh, there's bat we there was a bridge strike and that's all there is to it <laughs> it's uh it yeah it's really good cool. that. good scene it's good that. i also want to mention one actor who has always put po- he's popped up in stuff here there and everywhere and he is Dakin Matthews, who plays Arthur Lundahl. Oh, was he the, brought in the photographs at the beginning of the film? He's, uh, yes, he's the one who discovers the... Yes, exactly. He's the one who discovers the photos of the missiles, uh, or rather sees the missiles and, and comes in with the aerial reconnaissance stuff. And he is gives a really great performance. Um, they're all... He's one up, up there 
with all the others, basically, I, I would I would say all of these guys where there's no sort of demonstrative showy acting. It's just absolute, a little bit like Simon Baker in Margin Call. You know, it's like they're not actors. They're the real people. Yes. yes they're that well, convincing. Yes. Um, it's one of those great and my favorite sort of ensemble films. You know, they're, they're, no one sort of tries to steal the limelight. You know, it's very matter of fact. Even the two Kennedys, I would say, you know, Costner's the star and his presence is very much felt like a little bit like a play. I would say that these all these guys are sort of, you know, just portraying characters pretty much down the line. No, no kind of big emotional scenes that trying to steer towards an award of some sort. It's just my favorite type of acting. Well, let's get on to our nominations then. So, um, for so for best scene. So I had I think you just mentioned Dakin Matthews playing Arthur Lundahl. Mm-hmm. That I think that scene when they arrive in the uh, the photographs. It's right in the opening credits almost. The um, photographs mm. arrive in the White House and Kennedy is is shown them. I think McGeorge Bundy, who is played by Frank Wood, who's the national security advisor. He sort of says to O'Donnell Costner, um, you know, we need to see him ASAP. And is that, Kennedy not... comes out to, to Costner's desk and goes, you better get in here. Yeah. See, this is what I find a bit laughable. Oh, my God, we've got to get the special advisor to, to Kennedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we well, don't what, know what to do without well, Kennedy. And he goes, you, you, you spent time looking at photographs, didn't you? What, what, is, what do these look like to you? And, and uh, this, you know, when... That thing you get the mo- that you do get a bit of a dramatic moment actually. Come to think of it, a cinematic moment when Kenny it, it is, O'Donnell yeah. says he kind of goes, uh, "I can't remember the exact line, but it's something like Jesus, Mary, God, Joseph, or something." That is, I mean, it's not that dramatic, but it's like <laughs> it is. It is. Uh, yes. So I love that scene. I love the scene. The scene in the first XCOM. The X executive. They called. They created a new meeting, um, which actually you see them talk about creating um, the yeah. XCOM is what it was called, the executive committee. And uh, so that's when they're all, you know, all old men sitting around a table talking about the future of the world. And then my, but I think my favorite scene is the one we've talked about is when Curtis LeMay is in the office mm-hmm. and they have their Kennedy have their little uh, tantrum. Because it's accurate or because you like the drama? A bit of both really. I like the accuracy, but I also, I just think you've you've got Bruce Greenwood there tr- playing mm. a man who's he's just imagine the pressure on Kennedy. Equally talking about pressure, equally when they're they're in it's not the Oval Office, but they're around that large conference table and they're presenting the three options, which Kennedy summarizes. He goes, okay, so the three options are we we strike, we do something else, and do something else, and then they're all there wedding, and he's like, thank you, gentlemen. And he just gets up and leaves with O'Donnell and Robert Kennedy. And everyone's like, what the heck just happened? You know, because they were expecting a decision. You know, they thought I froze in there. That, uh, that another scene about pressure. I, I like your scene a lot. I also love the scene where McNamara is having a go at the, at the naval uh, admiral. I think he is he an admiral. I'm not sure. Yes. Um, however, there is another scene for me that is that is I love. It's the scene that I've always the first scene I think of when I think of 13 days if I haven't seen it for a while. And it does have to do with the phenomenal performance that I think Stephen Culp gives as Robert Kennedy. And that's when he goes to talk to the Russian ambassador near the end and essentially pleads with him. Only because I I think that scene should be shown in all drama schools as a as an example of great acting and what they I would you would call playing your objective, playing your action, oh. because that is exactly what Stephen Culp is doing in that in that scene without without sort of begging. He's not he's not I mean, he's sitting in a chair just talking and he's not doing anything overly dramatic or anything, but he's just. You you see in his eyes everything the way he says everything. It's it's this uh, this is a desperate moment that I need to convince this guy. Now 
that may we could put that in best my best performance if you like we could but that's my that's one of my favorite scenes in the film but again it's two guys sitting opposite each other in a chair so you may no no i like that but i think it's slight the trouble with that scene is it sort of cut back cuts over to the what's going on next door in ante room with costner holding a ball uh, whistling but then he's there's a soviet woman opposite him and you get this sort of weird i'm a friend and i found that a bit corny yeah i agree I agree. It could have been left. That scene with Kennedy, Robert Kennedy could have been left alone. I don't know. Maybe it was it trying to dissipate the tension, which is silly because it didn't need to. The whole point was that the scene with Bobby tension's Kennedy good. Is, tension's is, good. Is tension is good. Exactly. <laughs> tension conflict is good. So, but you know that that's down a lot down to performance. Okay, so so maybe maybe. I think maybe your your favorite scene, it, you, you you know, your scene with in the office in the Oval Office is is brilliant because it's it's almost like a turn. It's also the the turning point where you realize the pressure that Kennedy is under. That's where it all starts uh, to build. You know, so I'm quite happy to go with that scene. Great. Okay, so that wins the <laughs> uh, that wins the best scene, and so uh, the curtis lemay showdown with john f kennedy um and right so we'll go for best performance so i think really i've only got three nominations they are mm-hmm. bruce greenwood as john kennedy kevin costner as kenny o'donnell <laughs> and then stephen culp so the three leads and i i think i'm gonna go with stephen culp i think kennedy is uh greenwood is great he's canadian great. actor isn't he yeah Listeners would know him from all sorts of films. Uh, he was in The Post, Steven Spielberg's The Post. He was in Star Trek, the new Star Trek uh, ones. Really good actor and, and nails Kennedy. I think he's got him down. Even his his slight, stu- not stoop, but his because of his ailments, you know, and his walk, he's got him... Re- it's a really cool shot at the end where they ter- they're all, three of them are together and they walk outside the Oval Office in the White House on that sort of, there's a portico area and they walk slowly and it sort of morphs into the Kennedy shadow. I think it's like the last shot of the film. And I was like, is that Greenwood or is that, have they they somehow morphed it into the real Kennedy? Because he really does have his walk down and his speech pattern and his accent, I think is- is And the hair. And the hair. Great hair. So I would, I would probably give him very close number two yeah i just i think stephen Culp is spot on because he has a little more i would say desperation in his in his character um probably from what you know what you said about him being the tougher of the two you know when he's like i'll do it uh, i can't remember what the decision is but he's like they're talking outside and and he's and he's he's really putting he always is trying putting putting his his uh, not opinion, but his suggestions forward, his suggestions in inverted commas, and is is so determined, and he's so determined that his his presence is felt throughout the you know he's always there in support, and I think his you know I just think his his performance is great. It's amazing. Uh, it's amazing that this film didn't do better because it's got it's the two Robert Kennedy and John Kennedy. Both killed young, which in many ways, and uh, not wanting to sound too heartless, but um, uh, it was great for their political legacies because people can project what they feel they could have become. Um, so they couldn't disappoint anyone. That's that's what I mean there. But it's amazing that the film didn't do well because both Robert and John Kennedy are this they're the huge figures in america they yeah this, absolutely and they're portrayed it's, very sympathetically in this film it's it's amazing to me that more people didn't go and see it maybe ultimately it's the fact that they it's all talking and there's no yeah action. but it's weird because jfk for example is you know 3 hours of talking well i mean it's 3 hours of talking but it's it, it the the filmmaking technique is so astonishing and and stunning in its in its editing and stuff, but but the Cuban Missile Crisis is this great victory of Kennedy yeah, administration. I think people people maybe are, are more drawn. I don't know. This is terribly 
a morbid point of view, but you know, are we are we more drawn to the tragedy in in art than I don't know some sort of victory? But the the I mean, you know, JFK has an astonishing array of star. I mean, famous actors in bit parts that pop up throughout. It was probably yeah, this film doesn't you know, it had, it, about conspiracy. It's much more in you know. It's more attractive, I guess, in that sense. Whereas this is, I don't know, and the fact that this is kind of the only star is Kevin Costner, really. Thirteen Days, the title, JFK, much more blatant. We know what we're getting there. I guess that's a guess, but you know, who knows why a film will do well and what some films don't. I think that you know, that and and another film, um, and Emilio Estevez directed and starred in Bobby. Uh, around surrounding the the night of Bobby Kennedy's uh, death, I didn't like that film. Not as not as insightful and gripping. It's more like oh, a bunch of characters that are around. I think that night. yeah, um, yeah, it was disappointing. I, I thought it was okay actually. I liked it. I just but it's not a you know monumental piece of work. C- Christian Slater was in that, wasn't he? Yes, it? yeah, but he's um, very good. And Anthony Hopkins, um, Emilio Estevez as well. Say, um, but the so I don't know. It didn't. But they are highly sympathetic characters, and of course, uh, live long enough to to see yourself become a villain or be, uh, be assassinated at a young age to become a martyr. I can't remember. It's probably Shakespeare or something. I don't know. Forget that. You read your Shakespeare? Yeah, you read your Shakespeare book. Yeah, I do. Um, <laughs> Um, and and the thing is, is what's an interesting, I think, is an interesting uh, hint uh, towards the end of the film uh, the, is the upcoming struggle that Kennedy's going to have even after this. You know, these two, Bobby and, and Jack Kennedy are kind of are always, well, not always, but quite often for the, for the, the most part of the film are together. And they're kind of this team that I do think a lot of. American politicians, people in power, looked at them and thought these guys are doing things very differently to what's been done before. They are young, you know, the youngest president ever, kind of a bitterness towards them, perhaps uh, Kennedy's victory over Nixon and the fact that seeds were being planted for something tragic to I mean, this is if you think conspiracy. I don't know. Let's let's. Well, we'll yeah, let's get it. We'll get on gonna, to that. We're going to get on to that. But I, it's sort of if you know the history, if you know the fact that something awful is going to happen, he's going to be assassinated. There's going to be a conspiracy theory coming. You can kind of watch this film and go, well, there's there 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 are hints here that there are a hell of a lot of people who aren't happy with him and the way he does things. And I mean, he fired CIA guys when he came into power. Um, must have kept le- left a very bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. So it's interesting. So uh, well, so that'll that's to come when we get onto JFK. It but, is um... indeed. It is indeed. Well, okay. So uh, we haven't done most inaccurate scene. Now I'm I'm I favor uh, any scene where Kenny O'Donnell <laughs> is, mm. is is telling uh, the chiefs of staff and the president what. Mm what is uh, explaining for them because obviously they they need him to explain <laughs> and telling them what to do which is quite a lot of the film i want you to sit down but i gotta they're the pre- you're the president of the united states they'll wait for you and pours him a drink <laughs> well actually it's interesting this actually that um, i like that scene there is a scene where he goes uh, o'donnell goes to see his son play rugby or, or america no american football and when he gets back He's all worried and nervous, I think. And mm. so he he drinks a, a large measure of whiskey. And that's a sad portent of what happens to Kenneth O'Donnell because he Yes, of course he yeah. he was in the car behind Kennedy when Kennedy was shot, and mm. I think it 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 killed him. He became an alcoholic mm. and I think he died mm. um, in sixty-nine. Yeah, he 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 um because and then after Bobby Kennedy was I think it was after Bobby Kennedy that he really took to drinking. Seventy seven. He died in seventy seven. Mm. Alcoholism. At fifty, what? How? Not not old at all. He was in his fifties. Yeah, yeah. Really sad because you know that you think you do think to, he, those were his cli- two close childhood friends, both killed, 
I mean, the Kennedy family, just in general, had literally the worst luck. If you think about all of them, how what happened to them? Yeah, it was. It's a. It's a. It's a sad thing to know that that O'Donnell, what happened to him? But most inaccurate scene. Yes, he. 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 He, well, he's our, he's kind of like our eyes. I mean, yeah, you think, I know. Your... I get it. He's a, it's a plot device. I understand mm. it. I, no, and and he, and it's Costner. <laughs> he's great. Love it. Yeah. I'm just saying it's inaccurate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So any scene. Uh, well, I think <laughs> the most inaccurate majority... is any scene where Costner does that. Any scene where he is speaking in the XCOM. Mm. Yeah. Where that's that he hasn't, I don't think he, uh, there's one scene where they're all seated and, and mm. O'Donnell's walking around the table like he's the president. Yeah. Uh, okay. So so any scene where <laughs> I'll 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 confine it to the scenes uh-huh. in the XCOM right. where O'Donnell is speaking. Mm-hmm. That's inaccurate. Okay. okay. Um, anyone anyone who's listening and wants to in here and and say actually well, max actually... Hastings, max hastings does call call this film out in his book saying mm. donald's role is hugely inflated right okay so it's um, not just me saying that no no sure what, what about our legacy rating because we do a legacy yeah. rating out of five um well if we're going to compare it to i mean we don't have to compare it but i was my first thought was if we're going to compare it to the film we're going to do next then it's it's not a high legacy rating, no. I don't think. But I think um, it's I think it's got a lot more interest in the last few years. I think a lot more people are into it. It's, I think it's available on Amazon Prime at the moment. It's quite popular, I think. So well, that's nice to know. But it's um, at the you know, time when... it was a disaster. But I, I would say yeah. I'd give it a, a I'd give it a two out of five legacy rating. Legacy rating, okay. Yeah, well, hopefully. I mean, I think it deserves to be higher than that because it is. Uh, it's. Not, I mean, I've seen it quite a few times. There are no scenes. Okay, I, I can say this now, uh, even though we're doing JFK next. But there are no scenes in this film wh- which I fast forward. There are scenes in JFK I fast forward, uh, and we'll get onto that. But I'll just. This is a terrible thing to say, but it's the uh, any scene with his family. That's not about the investigation. I fast forward. <laughs> you know, because um, once you've seen, I've seen JFK so many times. I saw it in the cinema. When you, when you, when you, when you're into the, into the actual. Well, we, well, well let's talk facts. about JFK next time. Yeah. Um, okay. Cut that I, but because I think this film, the way it ends, you know, Kennedy, mm. uh, Robert and John are uh, in the, was it the Rose, the area outside the, um, outside. The, the Rose area. Garden. Is that is that what it is? Mm, the Rose, the Rose Garden. Garden, yeah. And so the and uh, oh, by the way, there's a bit of black and white stuff going on in this film. Yeah, it, that's, the, that's one device I'm not sure about, to be honest. Yeah, it's confusing. Was it trying to be JFK? <laughs> I don't know. It's very confusing because it doesn't. They, the the black and white sequences don't signify or represent a different timeline, or. You yeah, know, it's... sort of. It, it, there's a they're, they're walking along the corridor. It's black and white, and then they go into the Oval Office, and it blends into color. And you're like, yes. "Why is that happening?" It is a bit um, weird. So that's a bit odd. One thing I should recommend to listeners is if you're mm. interested in this period of history, there's a great novel because this blends into the assassination as well from the Cuban Missile Crisis, uh, the Bay of Pigs, Cuban Missile Crisis into the the assassination. It's a brilliant no- novel, um, American tabloid by yeah. James Elroy. Amazing, amazing book. Really, really good. Um, Great writer. That. Yeah. American Tabloid by James Elroy. Wait, oh, mm. Did he write L.A. Confidential? Yeah. I haven't read that. I've only seen the film. A sprawling um, epic. Okay, so, uh, right. And uh, now, it didn't get any nominations for any kind of Oscars or anything. No. Uh, that probably also aided its sleeper status but okay so so i find that very odd if we look at the best film for 2000 uh in the 2001 mm-hmm. oscars yeah the nominations were traffic erin bronkovich crouching tiger hidden dragon chocolat and gladiator mm, yeah i and mean gladiator's great but chocolat is great 
no, no, not 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 worth. In fact, I mean, Juliette Binoche is very good in that, but it's it's not an Oscar worthy film. The Traffic and Erin Brockovich, both Steven Soderbergh films competing against himself. And he won for Traffic and then Julia Roberts won Actress. And Russell Crowe won Actor. I think Stephen Culp deserves a supporting actor nomination for sure. Yeah, well, it's so, interesting because there was a film that came out that year, The Contender. Oh, with uh, Gary Oldman and yeah, um, yeah, uh, which is which is a, a good film and everything. But it's interesting that a political drama gets the nomination and this one didn't. No, I know. Uh, absolutely, this one deserved it, in my opinion, over The Contender. The Contender's okay, but it's not. Uh, better <laughs> okay well look m- rolling on next week we will be doing the big one jfk uh yeah what's the do we have we done all the act have we done all the i think we've done categories? we have we have we've done we've done the best scene which is the curtis lemay kennedy showdown we've done the simon baker award for best performance went to yep. stephen culp well done stephen and the argo most inaccurate scene was any scene involving Kenny O'Donnell in the XCOM. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And then we Uh, did the legacy rating of two out of five. Next week, we've got um, JFK. Now, listeners, the film is three hours long. I suspect Tim and I are going to be talking conspiracy theories. Yeah, it may go on for a bit longer than normal. I mean, Oppenheimer was three hours long. Killers of the Flower Moon was three and a half hours long. But it's, I don't think it's to do with the length of the film. It's more to do with the fact that uh, I think we both agree that we love JFK. I would say it's an up there, it's one of the best films ever made. So it may go on, but there is the, the, the addition of the fact that there is a debate of whether there's a conspiracy or not. That's just aside from the fact that there's a lot to talk about because the film is so rich. And then um, in December, we're going to be doing Napoleon. Yes, the new Napoleon film. Indeed, Ridley Ridley's Ridley called me and um, <laughs> yeah, he sent me some screenings that we can go both go to. Fantastic, so, brilliant, Tim. That's been great. Thank you very thanks much. Thanks so much, been fun. Listeners, thanks for listening. Yes, I just want to echo myself there. Thanks very much for listening. Plenty more great history to come. So please, please, please share, rate, and review. Next week it's Oliver Stone's JFK. In the meantime, thank you and good night. <laughs> <laughs>